1: I'm doing well. Uh, you know, it was a it was a fun game today uh, for the offense. I'd say I think there was some obvious things fans and us and our group chat were very frustrated with at Land Grant Holy Land. But I think I think we're gonna have a fun show today talking about the game. I think we got to learn quite a bit about this team. So uh, it's Saturday. It's been a good early slate of college football games. So not that bad. This is where I'll put my mood.
0: I have like 20 minutes max of content in me about this game. I just want to do a referendum on uh, soft coaches. Not going for for touchdowns. It just feels like in every situation, when you're the underdog, and you're fighting, you're punching up, and you're playing a good game, every single one of those games is lost by the decision to go for a field goal instead of going for a touchdown.
1: Inside the red zone.
0: Every single game in history, whether it's against Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, any favorite ever. I mean, how many? Like Penn State has lost games against Ohio State by going for field goals. Any? It, it's just like every single game.
1: You can't win. By you can't win big games with field goals. Like not I've heard,
0: going forward on fourth down, cowardly punts.
1: Like I, I think Texas today showed that in every single way. Uh, they had four trips that got inside Bama's 20-yard line, and they settled for field goals on all four of them. And when they went up 16-10, to 10, I think everybody who saw them settle for that field goal knew Bama was going to win this game.
0: Yeah. Because the thing is, like, regardless of how you feel about Bama, and I, I I don't think they're a good team, to be completely honest with you, and and it's they're better than most, but they're not a good Alabama team. And it's simply because, and I've been saying this for two years, they have no offensive line, they have no wide receivers. I want someone that's not a Bama fan to name me who their wide receivers are and who their running back would be if they didn't get Jameer Gibbs as a transfer. You yeah, can't do it. Can't do it. And then when you go out, you come out and you play like that with the with the penalties and stuff like that. You deserve to lose. Texas just didn't want it. Just soft coaching.
1: Yeah, it was. It was like. Um, a blueprint on how not to win a game against a heavily favored team when you're at home and you have the opportunity to win a football game. And I I mean, that was, I I mean, a lot of people, I think you were on the side assuming that Bama was going to blow them out. I thought Bama was going to blow them out, but I thought it'd be close for a little bit. That's kind of where we differed, but I didn't think they would be leading the game with one minute to go. So uh, it either says a lot about Texas football or a lot about, Alabama football when they have to travel outside of the South and away from neutral sites.
0: I mean, I just, I honestly, I don't understand it. Um, just didn't want to win. I ultimately just didn't want to win at home in front of your fans. You know, viewers uh, gets it's playing well, gets injured. You still Hudson
1: guard comes in. Hudson does card his job
0: and is fighting through literally can barely walk and your players give everything they have and instead of trusting them you kick they're like except for the last one they were all within like 35 yards it was like 20 33 and 35
1: yep yeah, it was not long field goals disgusting all oh, right yeah well
0: you want to get to the book guys. guys let's get let's get in and get out because there's not much to talk about um we're going to do better. I'm going to try to do better as the host. I almost always forget to tell you the score in the beginning, so we're going to do that here. Ohio State wins the game 45-12, to uh, and streets are concerned that Ohio- that Ryan Day cannot cover the spread. I am not part of the streets because I don't bet, and I could care less if they cover the spread, but uh, is this a valid concern?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's a valid concern. The spread, I mean, Ryan Day gets – Ohio State gets some huge spreads that are probably very unfair to the situation. Like, I don't think there was really any business besides Ohio State fans betting the spread crazy uh, for Notre Dame to have been a 17.5 point underdog. 44.5 points, it doesn't matter who you're playing, is a lot to cover. There's only 60 minutes in a game. And if you're winning that game, that means you either expect a 45 to nothing win, a 52 to 6 win. You know, and that list goes up and that's getting to the to the point a minute for the offense level territory. And that's just like it doesn't matter who you're playing. That's a hard expectation to grasp and exceed that. Like that means no mistakes by either side of the football to cover a 40, 44 and a half point spread. So it's not like a concern in that type of game. I, I get more concerned when Ohio State's not covering those like fifteen point conference spreads against like Indiana or uh Michigan State because like once you get outside like two touchdowns, it's just it becomes sort of a battle of time and effectiveness on the field.
0: Yeah, I think I think I agree with that. And I mean um Arkansas State, which was never going to win. But I think in the maybe 10 minutes total we talked about them, did say that they were going to at least be competent because of Butch Jones and all of their transfers. And I think that showed. Um, they capitalized on some mistakes uh, with the field goals and things like that. But Ohio State was much better, which is why they didn't get a touchdown, um, especially in the red zone. and Of absolutely nothing else. The most encouraging thing that I'm going to leave this game with is the fact that they didn't allow a touchdown in the red zone. Ohio State last year would have allowed a touchdown in the red zone, partially because they were just bad at defense. And the other part is because they could never control their emotions. Mm -hmm. Like that uh, 58-yard catch that happened on Denzel Burke, Last year, that team is absolutely giving up a score because they can't control their emotions and the fact that they just gave up a big touchdown and the momentum was switching and Arkansas State would have scored a touchdown. So at bare minimum, if you're looking for any any sorts of positive, any sorts of takeaways from this game, which are few and far between, I understand, um, trust us, we know, as we're the ones that are are on this podcast having to try to make something interesting for you all to listen to, um, that is a takeaway at bare minimum. This team is going to be better at takeaways. I'm sorry, better in the red zone, which is Ohio State's Achilles here for what seems like forever.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think the front seven play uh, or front six, I guess, with a four-two-five sort of alignment. I didn't have any questions about that coming out of this game. I think they picked up right where they left off and really picked up the secondary. And to be honest, I don't even think it was the entire secondary. I felt the safeties did their job for the most part. I think later in the game, once we saw some backups, there were a little bit more issues with the safety play. But overall, it felt like it was Arkansas State. They would do three things, not go anywhere. Then they'd throw an out route in front of the corners. And then there'd be a big play. And I felt like the whole game, it was Arkansas State can't do anything. And then all of a sudden... Denzel Burt gives up a big play and I hate to single players out but that's what the first half felt like to me
0: I mean even even in the second half they pick up a third and a second and long third and long something like that by um because Denzel Burke misses a tackle like you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit on this podcast and, and talk bad about him because we all saw what he did and film room was gonna be brutal but I mean they had did they did they get a field goal on that drive? You know what I'm talking about towards the end. Um, uh,
1: when Denzel gave up,
0: did like they, the, they were on like second and eighteen, and he gives up the play, and they get a first down.
1: Uh, I I can't remember the exact so, time that was. I didn't write it down today. I didn't take many notes.
0: Either way, he he is the sole reason for at least two field goals and potentially three because I actually do think that they got a field goal on that drive. Yeah, uh, I think, and, it, and it's and it's solely because of him giving up. Plays. I mean, and... he has two back-to-back penalties. They get a field goal. He gives a fifty-eight yard touch, a fifty-eight yard catch. They get a field goal. And if I'm right, and I think I'm right, because they didn't really do too much driving uh, outside of that, he gives up a play on second and eighteen. They get inside like the thirty-five or whatever. Run a couple plays, kick a long field goal. If that, if he's he was solely responsible for at least six of the twelve points, and I really think it was nine. And despite it being a team sport, corner you're on an island.
1: Yeah, corners the most individual position in the team sport.
0: There's no one else. It was one-on-one coverage, zone, whatever it was, missing tackles, penalties, giving up big catches. It was just. uh, I mean, there's no other
1: way to put it. It was a a, a horrific showing. Yeah, and like not to put light on, it's a difficult position no matter who you're playing. Honestly, like being soloed out on an island is never easy. It's just the expectations are very high for the corner unit, and he did not live up to him today. And I think Denzel Burke would be the first person to tell you that. And I think over what this would be his. 15th start as a corner I think if you go 15 starts and you have one bad performance as a corner that's 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 pretty good I'd rather have him have his rough outing against Arkansas State than when there's a really pivotal moment in the future so get in the film room see what you did wrong don't bite on the double move like you did and I think you could really grow from this as a player because this is probably the first time we haven't we've seen Denzel Burke in in that type of situation where he wasn't successful.
0: Yeah, and I think the the thing that's interesting, you know, I don't like to project things, but the thing that I noticed is his feet were bad. And I wonder, like, I don't know, is it like, does he just need to get on the ladder? Was he a little injured, banged up, and had to play? Because even on that double move, he did what he was supposed to do, and he tripped. On that pass interference, he tripped and tackled the guy. It's like he couldn't get his feet under him. And it was causing negative plays. It wasn't like, it wasn't even entirely like bad position, this or that. It's just like he was just fumbling over himself and fumbling over his feet. And that, at least, I think something, I think is something that can be fixed. Um, if this was yeah. as well, he probably would have came to the to the press conference and especially go to the NBA and came out like, yeah, I was I was dealing with an ankle for the last, you know, but I came out there and tried to grind it out. But they're not going to do that at Ohio State. They're not going to do that in college football. So, and he's absolutely not going to be. He's going to be protected from the media as he should be. He's not going to speak today, so uh, we, we won't get that. But I think that's kind of something that I was at least looking at and maybe could explain his bad play. Um, because he he he's never that bad. A lot of times you forget that he's on the field. So I just feel yeah, like something absolutely. Had be, something had to be going on, but I hope that he figures it out because there are five total corners on this roster essentially, and if he's not playing bad, if he's not playing well, it, it, it could
1: you need every single one of the corners uh, to play well. And I'll be honest, I I, I don't want to start with injury talk or anything like that. I mean, just. Genuinely looking at Tim Walton's reactions on the sideline on the Big Ten Network broadcast, like you know, you could barely see it, but there was a lot of fire in those reactions. So I, I really think uh, it goes back to technique fundamentals, and I just don't think he was sticking to them today. And in man coverage, that's your that's your that's your that's your life. That it, like technique is your life. If you're not playing proper technique, you're going to get toasted, like bread and butter.
0: 100%. 100%. Um, real quick rundown through the stats. Stroud, 16 of 24, 351 yards, four touchdowns, 67% completion percentage. Wouldn't be surprised if that's his lowest completion percentage all season. Um, Henderson, 10 carries, 87 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he did what he was supposed to do. Um, I am I'm always going to complain and wish he got more carries, but Mayan has has done enough to where he has been getting a decent amount of carries. Mayan had eight carries, so it really feels almost like a 1A, 1B kind of thing. It doesn't really feel like there's a guy, despite how much we like Henderson, which if Mayan keeps playing like he's playing, I have no problem with that. My only concern or problem or annoyance or whatever you want to call it, and I don't know if you've noticed this, Mayan Day calls all the cool plays – where you want a fast running back with Mayan Williams in the game. Yeah, that absolutely. Makes absolutely no sense. Like, why are you throwing screen passes to Mayan Williams? That little fake option, or techn- it was a fake option because CJ Stroud was never going to run the ball. Why are you doing that with Mayan Williams in the game? He Like, they, they did a couple of other outside kind of things where it's just like, he's good, but he doesn't have that speed to hit the edge the way you need it to. And there were some holes, but by the time he got there, they kind of closed. And so he had to lower his shoulder and get a couple extra yards, which he's always going to do. But it just would have looked a lot different with Trey in there. And it's just like, why don't you call these plays when you have the running back that runs a 4-4? Yeah, for sure. I don't understand. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., seven catches, 184 touchdowns. Uh, Jesus, 184 yards, three touchdowns. If you watch the game, should have been four. Uh, He broke the plane on one that they call an incomplete pass. But it is what it is. Still a, a monster day. A Egg Buca, four for 118, one touchdown. It's Arkansas State. But unlike Notre Dame, I don't feel like we miss Jackson Smith and Jigla. And this is what you want to see, right? Against Wisconsin, against Michigan, and the playoffs, it's not going to be as easy for these guys. It wasn't that as easy against Notre Dame. But when they come out against a team that they're overmatched, you want to see that five-star talent. You don't want to see a make of four catches, 50 yards, right? You don't want to see Marvin Harrison Jr., three catches, 40 yards. Like You want to see a dominant performance, and that's what it was. Um, I think you can take a lot from that. They're going to get confidence. The timing was there. There seemed to be a lot less, you know, um, misunderstandings. And as we talked about on Buckoff and in the instant recap, don't play Jackson if he's injured and let the young guys eat because this is going to give them the confidence that they can make a play against better teams.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what happened, too. I think early in the game, they, they you could tell there there was still a little bit of that rawness. They were young. And then by the end of the game, when Stroud fit that last touchdown pass to Marvin in that window, uh, that's kind of when I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't think Marvin Harrison's going to take a step backwards. Like, you know, going from the Rose Bowl, three touchdowns to playing Notre Dame's a big – Step, you know, it's two huge games. Yeah, they weren't going to be perfect for him, and he still played well against Notre Dame. But he came into this game and put on an absolute show. He did it all three ways. He mossed a kid. He took a catch and turned it. He almost he he did score. They didn't count it as a touchdown with some power getting in there. Like every type of touchdown you could score as a receiver, he did it. Uh Ekbuka picked up exactly where he left off, just kind of being a reliable safety belt. And you gotta show he's a little faster than he was last year, didn't get caught from behind. And that that throw when they ran Eggbuka up the seam, the throw and catch was perfect. I like the pace of that pass right into the basket, I, I couldn't you couldn't have drawn it up any better.
0: First of all, I may be the only one in the country that feels this way. I could care less. I can care less about the catch. I care less about the pass. I want to talk about Mayan. This is literally on the show plan. I want to talk about Mayan Williams stepping up and rocking his safety on a late blitz that allowed C.J. Stroud to step up in the pocket. Without Mayan doing that, that's a that's a sack. Maybe even a sack. Yeah. Because that was a perfectly timed blitz. That guy was fine. I mean, he literally was at C.J. Stroud when Mayan hit him and push them back and let CJ step up. And I think CJ even stepping up and throwing that shows his trust in Mayan Williams to, to make that block because he didn't run, you know. Um, or maybe he didn't see him. I don't know. But if we're going to talk about that, we got to talk about Mayan Williams because that play is not happening without him. That is a sack, maybe even a sack. Yeah. Because, I mean, that right. was, Ohio State has some great blitzes, but that was the best blitz of the night. That was very well timed. Uh, and Mayan Williams had a um, – on the one sack earlier in the game, he kind of turned his shoulder on a safety blitz and uh, he didn't put his hands into him. He didn't really get him aggressively. And the dude kind of just bounced off of him and still sacked CJ. So for him to step up in that moment and do that, um, it's a positive because you can't be on the field at Ohio State or anywhere where it matters if you can't pass.
1: Yeah, and I think honestly, both Travion and Mayan do an incredible job of stepping into the blitz for two second-year running backs, I don't think you could ask them to do much better. And you're right. Uh, there is quite a few plays today where Arkansas State brought some late pressure, and the running backs did a perfect job of picking it up. And that's not stuff like a lot of people notice about the running back play. Uh, but it's incredibly important, especially in an offense like Ohio State, who likes to do long-developing passing concepts.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I we throw this in here occasionally – um, obviously we, we always say that we have never done it anywhere near this level, but I played running back, Blitz pickup sucks. It's absolutely the worst part of the game because you're literally just like, I'm going to throw my head into somebody who's probably bigger than me or at least running full speed and I have to hit him hard enough to stop. Him. So, um, I, I always tend to, you know, give a little bit of credit to running backs who at least try, even if it wasn't great. Um, which is why, you know, Mayan Williams he has he has to learn, but he picked up the blitz poorly and CJ got sacked. But then in his second in his second chance he he uh, he did it perfectly. And so I, as probably one of the few people in the world that cared or at least noticed it, uh, definitely had that in the show plan. It was one of my favorite plays because those are the little things that matter in a game that really matters. Because if this game mattered, that could have been a sack or a sack fumble. It didn't, but it, again as I said, with the young wide receivers, you do it in this game, it gives you confidence that you can do it in others, which is the point of these games.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we could be frustrated about a lot of things from this performance. Uh, not Maybe not a lot of things. I think there's like two or three spe- specific things that I was frustrated with throughout the game. Other than that, it just felt like a normal pay game. You know, it felt like Ohio State was in cruise control for most of it, never really trying to up the gear, and then – Um, the defense, like I, I think both like the defense came out firing and there's just mistakes and that's something that I think you could fix, but it felt, it honestly did just feel like a pay game today in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. And the one thing that I put in here is some of the stuff that happened. It's just hard to get up for this game, no matter how much Ohio, no matter how much Ryan Day sits in his press conferences and talks about competitive excellence and every game is the same and how much losing sucks and that kind of stuff. You could tell early that the player just went into it, and it, I don't want to say that's fine because half of Urban Meyer's losses are the players not being up for for certain games. But it's fine if you can still find a way to win by 30 points. Um, it's fine if once you start making those mistakes, you lock in and realize, all right, this is a problem. We need to figure that out. And I think the you know the the last like six or so minutes in the second half. First six or so minutes in the in the third half, you could tell that they were like, all right, let's just lock this down so you can get out of the game. Uh, maybe a questionable decision to have CJ Stroud in the fourth, but I think that maybe shows that Ryan Day wasn't happy <laughs> because yeah, if, if Ryan Day is happy, CJ like he's the king of getting one more drive at half uh, for whatever reason in wow. his brain that's especially likes to do. But in a game like this, he doesn't typically keep him in that long unless he's not happy. And, like, clearly, he was not happy. Um, so he's playing to the fourth. I don't personally like it because I think you can make a point by finding the biggest hill in Columbus and making a run it for some of the mistakes that they made without risking the injury of any freak kind of thing happening in a game that you're up 30 points. But, you know, I'm not the coach. I'm not making $9.5 million
1: a year. so You got to earn your time on the pine. And if Ryan Day didn't feel like they earned it, I respect it. So
0: I respect it in theory. I just always worry about injuries and,
1: and things Yeah, like. I think in I theory worry. everyone respects it until you see CJ Stroud getting rolled up on after a sack and it's like, uh, oh, exactly. maybe I don't respect it that much. <laughs> yeah, you,
0: you respect it when it works in your favor. Yeah. I don't really yeah. have We um but I do think The thing is, like I keep saying, things still matter because you put things on film. And I'm just really, con- like, if I had any concern, and I'll let you, I'll let you answer this next. If I had any concern, my concern would be that the defensive line jumped four times on yeah on fake snap like that. And and none, if I remember correctly, none of them gave a first down. So maybe it's just in a moment where you know that. Larry Johnson and Jim Knowles is going to let you pin your ears back. Maybe that's why it wasn't in any any kind of, like, short situations. But if I'm Wisconsin, if I'm Michigan, if I'm Penn State, if I'm hopefully Georgia or Alabama in the playoffs, hopefully not really, but come on, we know if we get there, we're going to have to play one of them. I'm going to look at it and say anytime we need a first down. Hard count. (laughs) Hard count. They're going to jump. Or just clap your
1: hands and they're going to jump.
0: Yeah, Yeah, so – that it would be my one of my biggest
1: concerns, um, and again, yeah, everything with a grain of salt because it's, they're like so they you, you lose a little discipline when you play in pay games just because the players themselves probably aren't taking Arkansas State as serious as they need to. But I think my biggest issue with false start penalties with defensive line penalties is there's no level of talent that'll put you in a position to where you should fall start. Or where you should jump off sides and that's where it, it's just a pure discipline issue and I think that's something that raises like a red flag and I think overall like it, it's definitely something where I'm not concerned about it but it needs to be brought up because like you said anytime someone hard counts anytime someone does anything like an extra motion or they motion back someone's going to jump off sides and it wasn't like it was just guys who hadn't played a lot it was starters it was experienced players Zach Harrison was one of them I believe Jack Sawyer was one of them like it was guys who play regular snaps doing it so I I think that was the most frustrating aspect of the game for me because I I think I said it there's no prerequisite to staying on sides there's nothing you need you don't like do you worst high school football player in the United States can stay on sides.
0: Absolutely. Um, as we kind of wrap up, because there's no reason this needs to go more than 30 minutes. Do you have any controversial takes? cuz I have them?
1: Uh, I don't think I have any controversial takes. Uh, I think I would like to see Ryan Day stick to the offense a little more. Uh, I think we could have scored another touchdown with Kyle McCord if he didn't just, you know, fold in the chair and just sit down and, you know, let the game run out by just calling swing passes and runs to Dallin Hayden. And I know everybody needs to get their work, but it it's like no one I don't want to put anything in the air, but there have been times in the past where Ohio State's needed a backup quarterback. I think you need to get him real opportunities. And that would probably be also my only issue with letting CJ play that long. Because hey, after next week, I don't know how many more opportunities you're gonna get to get those reps for guys.
0: Yeah, we have one more. No, we don't. Yeah, we—that's the last out of conference game. We had two. Eh, out of, out of, okay. Regardless, uh, my controversial take is the the essentially all freshman defensive line played much better than the senior defensive line. Um, that defensive line of JPP, uh, um, not Tyrone Vincent. Who's the other guy? Jerron Cage. Um, Jada McKenzie. Like that line was.
1: Tyler Friday. Was
0: terrible. It was absolute garbage. And then and they, were playing, they were playing their first team. And then you put in the young guys. Uh, Caden Curry's getting pressure. Gets pressure on one drive. And then the second drive, he's in. He gets a sack. And, a, and I don't know if they gave him a yard. So either a TFL or, or a stop for a yard. Um, whoever 97 is, I'm guessing that's Omari Abor, maybe. Um, I didn't feel like looking it up.
1: because I think Abor's 23. And then Kenyatta Jackson's 97.
0: OK, so Kenyatta Jackson, he got some pressure. Uh, I don't one of the young I don't, I don't know if it's Will Smith again I didn't look up the numbers because this game didn't matter but one of the defensive tackles I think Talik was out there with them at one point he mm-hmm. he had a couple of plays and it's just like this this the young group is explosive they're getting in the backfield they're creating pressure and when when this older group was in there they just didn't do anything and they do lack that explosiveness to, similar to Notre Dame when teams drive on this defense you can almost bet that the bad defensive line is in that long almost touchdown drive. A lot of that was not was not Jack and, and JT and then that was Javante John Baptiste and those guys. And I don't know why they keep playing them. To be completely honest, that's my controversial take. I hope by Wisconsin they just stop playing them because it, like two games in a row, every long or decent looking drive that this defense have given up, you can guess who's in who is in at defensive line. And as Jim um, Knowles has said, this defense runs through the defensive line, and you can tell when when the wrong guys aren't in there. So that's it. That's my controversial take.
1: Um, yeah, I, can I build on that for a second? Yeah, of course. I, I think the level of talent you have at the top end can make up for a more, uh, I, I guess, just a straight up less talented player. You know. So I, I think when you have Uh, Jeron Cage, Jaden McKenzie makes in there against another team's ones. It is a mismatch against the starting offensive line because starting offensive linemen don't rotate. Uh, So I think there should be, and this might be controversial, but I think they need to do a better job of managing who's in with who. And there's definitely points in time where you want to have your best four on, and that might get a little confusing. And the count might get a little too high for one player who's played a lot of snaps with someone else, and you're like, "Oh, well, this is a big moment." But I just think there's a better way to mix these guys in than just forcing them to play in tiers. And yeah, then, yeah. Um, and that's something I I was thinking about.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like do like they do in the NBA. NBA coaches make almost all of their money off of rotations, and they um especially when you have multiple superstars, it's all of these guys are gonna play forty minutes, thirty eight minutes, but they're not gonna play all thirty eight together. Sometimes you have LeBron in with Talon Horton Tucker. Sometimes you have Anthony Davis in with whatever other scrubbers on the Lakers and so on and so forth. You're gonna see if you're all a Cavs fans, you're gonna see it this year with the Cavs fans, you're not only gonna have, you know, Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen and those guys out there. You're gonna to have to rotate because you need to win all the minutes. And right now, to your point, they're just uh They're just bringing them in as units. You four play and you four play and you four play. But one of that set of four is just not good. It's just not. Yeah. You could put Jerron Cage out there with JT and you could put um, Javante John Baptiste out there with Jack, but you can't have Jerron Cage and Javante John Baptiste and Tyler Friday and whoever the other guy is in at the same time and then just watch them drive down the field and be like, this is okay. Like, I, it's,
1: I, I know like the math probably really hard for a coach to do and, and football moves a little different than basketball so like at any out of bounds or any timeout, you could make a change like some teams like to push tempo some teams like to do this that but I just think there has to be some better way to balance out who's in the game at the same time if you want to play that many guys yeah uh, I don't think you're going to see as many against Wisconsin because I think it's going to be another slow pace game uh, so I think it'll probably be another one where they only play 50 to 55 plays. But we talk about that at the end of this one.
0: Yeah. So um, my my favorite moments, you can jump in if you have any different. The Stover wheel route, all hands. Beautiful. Never, yeah. I, not, I knew he was going to obviously make, you know, 15 catches this year, as all Ohio State uh, freaking guys do. But I didn't expect him running the Jeremy record route. So that was nice to see. Uh, Mike Hall sack on fourth and one. I mean, it just – Big game, Mike Hall. I mean, like, when you need him, he showed up. Obviously, he showed up at other points, but who else? Like, at this point, two games in the season, who else do you think was going to make that play? Huge sack. Um, We already talked about Mayan's blitz pickup. And then Marvin Harrison Jr.'s contested catch. I meant to bring this up a little bit earlier. This is the perfect time to bring it. That's a ball that Stroud throws to Garrett Wilson. If he's throwing that to Marvin Harrison Jr., that means that some of the timing and little things are off, he trusts him to make it. He wasn't doing that to Marvin Harrison Jr. last year. He probably still wouldn't throw that ball to Aguka. And honestly, I'm not sure if he throws it to Jackson just because Jackson's a little bit shorter. But regardless, he's not throwing that to anyone is the point. That's the ball you've seen him throw to, uh,
1: to his guys, Garrett
0: Wilson a lot. And, and throwing that to Marvin Harrison Jr. Trust, love to see that.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think the one you don't have on the list that was my favorite play, was the punt return for a touchdown, like plain and simple. There's penalties, whatever. I don't care about those. Uh, I just remember getting up out of my seat and basically running with a Buka, because I'm like, this is insane. This is a punt return. touchdown. I saw, like, I saw the flags. I knew it was coming back immediately, but I'm like, if he can do it here, he could do it again later at some point yeah. when it matters. Yep. And that was, that was exciting. And I think one of my bold predictions this year was that they're going to return a kick, um, Or I didn't say or punt, but I think I I, punts off a kick off the foot. So I'm going to include that in the prediction just off of semantics. But it was awesome. Anytime there are some other good special teams plays and I joke around a lot, but I do believe Parker Fleming earned his check today again. Like he's two for two and earning his game checks.
0: Yeah. I think this is going to be a segment on the show. Because when you could have had a different coach, like maybe a real offensive coordinator, uh, we we gonna we're gonna check to see why there's a special team coordinator out there. Um, player of the game, Marvin Harrison Jr. I highly doubt that you disagree with that.
1: No, uh, I mean I could you could you could argue with me a co-player with a mecca in there because he did his thing too, but I think the touchdowns by Marvin take him a little bit over that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, injuries, suspensions, etc., things of note. Mike Hall had a lower leg injury. doesn't seem to be too bad. Yeah, ended up uh,
1: being a shoulder. shoulder.
0: It was a shoulder? Ah, maybe the broadcast just didn't know it that point. It was a
1: shoulder. Yeah, I think when they showed it it live.
0: I don't know why I said lower. It was upper body.
1: Yeah, I think when they showed it at first, it was like a non-contact injury. And I know like me personally, when I see someone down after a non-contact injury, I think it's leg immediately. Uh, but then the sideline reporter came in and said, eh, he's getting his upper body examined. And from there on, I was no longer worried.
0: Yeah, nope. And, and he, they said he came back out. If, it, if the game mattered, he probably would have played. But as expected from a hopefully sometimes smart coaching staff, they didn't put him back in the game because he wasn't leading. Um, Any final thoughts?
1: Uh, I think – Overall, I think you want to see a cleaner performance. I think defensively, there were a lot of mistakes. And they weren't mistakes in the scheme or in what they were doing. Because I still feel like they were in the right position a lot of the time. They just didn't make the play. And that came down to, like, basic tackling fundamentals. Basic coverage fundamentals. Like, not jumping off sides. That's stuff that you're going to run out of the team. Like, that's not stuff you're going to, like... They know on film. They know Denzel Burke knows he's going to go into his meeting tomorrow and probably get cooked. Uh, but that's not,
0: it's it's
1: those false starts. You're running, you're running sideline to sideline for every penalty you had. You, you work those out of them that way. Uh, and I, I think Stroud played a clean game. You know, I think he got a little bit more opportunity to work with Emeka, work with, uh, Marvin and even the other guys. Cade made some plays. Xavier Johnson was there earlier. Uh, like three plays into the game, I'm like, Is Xavier Johnson going to be the leading reception receiver at Ohio State? That was a joke, but it, it he's just been doing a good job. And I think a lot of the offensive guys are doing a good job right now. It's just clean up the little mistakes. You've got Toledo to do that. Then you've got a big matchup against Wisconsin. But yeah, uh, to finish my final thought. Uh, it's hard to get up for a game after you've waited nine months to play a huge game against a uh, regional rival, I'll call them. I mean, they're not a rival, but like they're regionally in this area. They're a big power program name-wise. Uh, coming up and getting up for Arkansas State, it, it was not going to be something they did. That's something we both said in Buck Off on Friday. But, man, 45-12, uh, to 12, you know, the thing is, I called the shutout and without the penalties, without you know, Denzel Burke giving up nine points, uh, I would have been pretty close to my score prediction.
0: Yeah, I mean, again, like I said earlier, not allowing a touchdown. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Because yeah. You, you just imagine that the stuff is not gonna happen. Either Denzel's gonna fix it or he's not gonna play. That takes six to nine points off right there. You don't allow, you don't allow a touchdown in the red zone when last year they would have. I'm perfectly fine with
1: that. Yeah, I think there was still plenty of growth today to be excited about.
0: Absolutely. absolutely. Alright, 37 minutes is too much for this game. Um, We're going to get out of here, but uh, we'll catch you on Friday on the Book Up podcast and we'll catch you next Saturday for a game against Toledo. I'm hoping that that's another noon game, but I just feel like it's 7.30 for some reason. I just know it. They always do this to us if one of these bad games.
1: Yeah, Akron last year was awful. It started at 8.00 It's seven PM, so we'll see you guys next Saturday night. All right, we'll see you next Saturday night. (laughs) Eleven thirty.
0: Jesus. Go Bucks.